So when this happens, realize that this is the one. People that realize it initially or the first batch that go towards him is from our lands, from Khurasan. The black flags will rise from the areas of Afghanistan. And this is part of the beliefs of the Ahlu Sunnah that a person will come who will be from the lineage of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Rasul says, The Mahdi is from my lineage, as in from my progeny, from the children of Fatima. And then he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, His name will be my name. So his name will be Muhammad. And his father's name will be my father's name. So he will be Muhammad ibn Abdullah. A lot of the scholars agree that the first of the major signs will be the Mahdi. Who is Al-Mahdi? Al-Mahdi means in English, the awaited one and the anointed one. So the chosen awaited one. As the earth was filled with wrong and oppression, he will fill it with justice and peace. Ali radiallahu anhu says, يُصْلِحُهُ اللَّهُ فِي لَيْلَةً Allah Rabbul Izza will prepare him for the office of leadership in one night. So the Mahdi doesn't know he is the Mahdi. And the Mahdi doesn't have the competencies of the Mahdi. Until one night. In one night Allah will transform him. And he resembles the Prophet ﷺ, not in his physical form, but in his character. Allah said about the Prophet Muhammad You, O Muhammad, are on an amazing character. This is Allah witnessing to this. This man, Al-Mahdi, will be, and he said, he will rule and lead the Muslims until he transforms the world. The Ahadith mention that a king will die in the Jazeera, in the Arab Peninsula, and the sons or three sons of a king will fight and quarrel over leadership. And to avoid this quarrel, this man, Muhammad ibn Abdullah, will leave Medina in secret and go to Mecca. Because he doesn't want to be involved in the conflict, nor does he want people to turn towards him. So when he goes to Mecca, his aim is to avoid getting tangled up in this leadership struggle. Yet people follow him from Medina into Mecca. And they find him and they take him out. And they bring him to the Kaaba. And there, between this Durukn, as in Hajr al-Aswad, and Maqam Ibrahim, they will make bay'ah to him when he doesn't want it. Al-Mahdi, as in Sahih Muslim, you find this hadith, he will come out he will appear in Mecca and the scholars will identify him with the descriptions that the Prophet ﷺ placed about him. There are certain features about him. Wide forehead, big, big sharp eyes, a thin nose which is slightly hooked on the top, Al-Mahdi. They know his other signs so that no one can think Al-Mahdi is someone else. He has particular signs. They are all authentic narrations from the Prophet ﷺ. You'll find them in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. And as soon as they have pledged allegiance, two things will happen. Number one, an army will march out from Syria to attack this progeny of the Rasul. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, listen carefully, is in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha. And he is asleep. 
And in his sleep, he starts to move. He looks uncomfortable. He's displaying what he's never displayed before. Discomfort and sleep to the extent that he's moving. Then he got up. So she said, Ya Rasulullah, I have seen you do what you normally do not do. So the Prophet said, Strange is the situation. An army will come from, the, from Syria intending the house of Allah from my ummah seeking a man from my progeny to attack him. And in another hadith, an army will come campaigning towards the Kaaba until it reached the Bayda. And Bayda is an expanse of land between Mecca and Medina, a flat desert land. When it reaches there, the Prophet says, the man will suck them in their first and their last. So this is one of the signs that this one is the one the Prophet ﷺ intended. First, that his name will be my name. Second, an army will come to attack him. And he will be an arm. And the army will be destroyed by Allah alone. So when this happens, realize that this is the one. The flags will come towards him. And they will traverse through the land until they come in help of the Mahdi. And his time is a difficult era. The Rasul says it in an eloquence befitting the majesty of the Rasul. Listen carefully, Muslims. You will campaign in the Arab Peninsula and Allah will open it. Then there will be a campaign against the Persians. And Allah will open it. Then there will be a campaign against Rome. And Allah will open it. Then the Dajjal will come and Allah will open it as in will let you conquer it. So the age of the Mahdi is an age of intense struggle. And the hadith says he will stay with you for seven years and maybe eight. And if it really extends nine years, he will fill it with justice and peace as it was filled with injustice and tyranny. Al-Mahdi with his knowledge and with his ability will change this state of the whole world from injustice to justice from tyranny to peace, just as it was filled the other way. So every, the balances will be returned with the coming of the Mahdi At the last campaign, the Muslims will come and the other side, its opposition will come to face it. And the opposition is so huge, 80 banners, 80 different flags. Under each flag, 12,000 men. And when the two sides meet, and the Muslims see this, a third of them will run away. And the Prophet says, Allah will never accept their repentance ever. Because running away reduces and destroys the morale of everyone standing. So then the campaign starts and the battle is hot in its intense. And a third of the Muslims will die. Just a third will be victorious. And they will be there on the battlefield collecting the remnants and the booty of war. And the hadith says from one tribe, 99 have died and one person is left. So what joy will he have at victory and what joy will he have at collecting booty? 
So you would think after such a calamity, after such a colossal engagement, or what is referred to in the books that preceded us as Armageddon, you would have expected issues to become more relaxed. Yet, as they have just become victorious and are collecting the things of the battlefield, a voice will come out to them that, O oh Muslim, the Dajjal has come in your lands. And the first of the Alamatul Kubra, the first of the major signs, is the advent of the Dajjal or the Antichrist. So the Imam, Al-Mahdi, will send 10 people, 10 riders, to go and investigate and scout, see if the news is correct. And the Rasul says, Salawatu Rabbi wa salamuhu I know their names. And I know the names of their fathers. And I know the color of their horses. They will be the best riders of the day. So they will go and see, Ah, the calamity has come. The Dajjal has come. Who is this Dajjal? the first of the big signs of Qiyamah. And understand, when the signs, the major signs are unleashed, they will follow each other like beads on a necklace. Where shall the Mahdi appear from? This indeed is a very deep question. And there are different sets of a hadith describing where he shall appear from. One set of a hadith describes that a group of Muslims shall march from the east. In one narration, even the land of Khorasan is mentioned. And these a hadith all predict the appearance of an army from the east riding and marching with black flags. And they shall have within them the Mahdi. Now, some of the famous muhaddithun, scholars of hadith, rejected all of the a hadith that mentioned the black flag. And they felt that these were fabrications done by the sympathizers of the Abbasid Empire. This is because the early Abbasid revolutionaries used the symbol of the black flag in their fight against the Umayyads. And they eventually won. Now there is no doubt that many unscrupulous people put into fabrication a hadith praising the Umayyad dynasty, praising the Abbasid dynasty, and so on and so forth. However, we do not reject the hadith merely because of such suspicion. Rather, now in retrospect, we can easily state that the Mahdi was not from the Abbasids. And the fact that the Abbasids used the symbol of the black flag does not necessarily mean that the ahadith describing the black flag is weak. In fact, quite the contrary. We can twist this around and say the very fact that the Abbasids used the black flag was because they knew of this belief amongst the Muslims that the Mahdi and the army of the Mahdi will have the black flag. So they took advantage of this hadith and they wished to prove that they were marching from the east with the black flag. However, they were not the promised army of the Mahdi and just because they used the black flag does not mean that the hadith about the black flag are da'if. Rather, the correct opinion is that the hadith of the black flag are at least Hassan Lighayri, at least Hassan in light of other evidences. And this is the opinion of many scholars of the past and present, such as Imam al-Dhahabi, the famous scholar of hadith, such as Ibn Kathir, the historian and muhaddith, and of course in our time, Shaykh al-Albani as well. Some of the hadith that mention the black flag are that which has been narrated in the Sunan of Ibn Majah, and also in the Mustadrak of Al-Hakim, where Thawban, radiallahu ta'ala an, 
says that the Prophet said, three people shall fight over your treasure. Each one of them is the son of a Khalifa. And then none of these three shall be the victor. Then black flags will appear from the lands of the East. And they shall fight and they shall kill you like no other nation has been killed. In other words, there shall be a time of great trial and bloodshed. Then he said something I could not hear Thuban is saying. And then he said, the Prophet said, when you see them, then give them allegiance, even if you have to crawl over snow to get to them. Because they have Khalifatullah al-Mahdi, they shall have the Khalifa of Allah, the Mahdi in their midst. This hadith is also reported in the Mustadrak of Al-Hakim as well. And Al-Hakim says this is an authentic hadith upon the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim. And Al-Dhahabi agreed with him. And Ibn Kathir said its isnad is very strong. However, some scholars said that it has a very slight weakness in it. And Allah knows best, the correct opinion is that it is an authentic hadith in and of itself. Ibn Kathir writes, commenting on this hadith, the treasure that is referred to in this hadith is the treasure of the Kaaba. Let me pause here for a while and give a footnote if you like. The Arabs of old, the tribe of Jurhum, they once had to abandon the Kaaba. This is way before the coming of the Prophet Many, many hundreds of years before his coming. And they had to abandon it when the Kaaba was attacked and they were forced to bury a large treasure, a vast treasure somewhere underneath the Kaaba as it stands. And to this day, nobody has uncovered this treasure. So the Prophet is saying that towards the end of time, Muslims are going to try to fight to get this treasure that is buried somewhere in the Kaaba. Returning to what Ibn Kathir said, the treasure that is referred to in the Hadith is the treasure of the Kaaba. Three sons of the Khulafa will fight over it and this shall be in the end of times. At this the Mahdi shall appear and his appearance shall be from the eastern lands and not from a cave of Samurra as the ignorant Rafida presume will explain what he is referring to later on. And he shall be helped by the people from the east as well. They shall support him and establish his rule and reinforce his strength. And their banners shall be black flags. For this is a banner that mandates respect and admiration since the banner of the Prophet ﷺ was black as well." End quote. So Ibn Kathir held the opinion that the Mahdi shall come from the lands of the east, what is referred to in our times as Transoxania. And he also commented that the hadith is not a reference to the Abbasids for he said these are not the ones that Abu Muslim al-Khurasani came with in order to set the stage for the Abbasid empire in 132 AH rather these are other black banners that shall come with the Mahdi himself end quote so this is one hadith which mentions that three princes in other words three people whose fathers were Khulafa are they three brothers are they three people? Each one is the son of a khalif from a different land. Are they two brothers and another prince? Allah knows best. Three people will fight. Their fathers were the khulafa. Three people shall fight somewhere around the haram, somewhere around the Kaaba, and none of these three will be the victor. After they fight, the Prophet said, from the lands of the east shall come an army marching with black flags. And he said, they shall have the Mahdi in them. If you even have to crawl over snow to get to them, get to them because the Mahdi will be there. And this hadith in and of itself is Hassan insha'Allah ta'ala. There is another hadith which is weak and it also mentions the black flag. And remember we said when there is more than one hadith that is weak, you can increase its authenticity to the level of Hassan. And this hadith is reported in the Jami' of Abi Isa at-Tirmidhi or the Sunan of at-Tirmidhi and also in the Mustad of Imam Ahmad 
where Abu Hurairah narrated, there shall appear from Khurasan black flags. Nothing shall be able to repel them until these flags are planted in Iliya. Iliya is one of the names of Jerusalem. So in this hadith, it is narrated that black flags shall appear from Khurasan, armies carrying black flags. Nobody shall be able to defeat them until they plant their flags in Jerusalem. At-Tirmidhi said this hadith is gharib, and this is one type of reference to, uh, from At-Tirmidhi that the hadith is weak. And in its chain is Rishdin ibn Sa'd. Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar said Rishdin ibn Sa'd is weak. And likewise, other scholars also agreed that one of these narrators is weak. Therefore, this chain is weak and it cannot be taken as an evidence in and of itself. Khurasan is the name given to the land that stretches in our times from modern Iraq to the borders of India. It covers the countries of Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Iraq, Iran, portions of Afghanistan. This is what was called in the past Khurasan. And this is what the hadith is referring to. As we said, it has a very slight weakness in it. Yet another hadith mentioning the black flag is a very long hadith narrated in the Sunan of Ibn Majah from Abdullah bin Mas'ud and the phrase in it that is of relevance, he said that the Prophet said, and then shall come from the east, al-Mashriq, groups of people carrying black flags. And the hadith is a very long one. This hadith is clearly weak. It has in its isnad Yazid ibn Abi Ziyad. Yazid ibn Abi Ziyad is if you like a famous or to be more precise an infamous weak narrator of hadith. Waki ibn Jarrah, the famous scholar of hadith said, this hadith has no basis to it. And Imam Ahmed commenting on Yazid ibn Abi Ziyad said, his hadith about the black flags has no basis. So Imam Ahmed considered the hadith of the black flags to be da'if. However, these are now three hadith. The first of them, as we said, in and of itself, it is Hassan. The other of them in a Tirmidhi, it is weak. And the third of them, Ibn Majah, also it is weak. Put together, the concept of the black flags clearly is authentic. The first hadith is authentic in and of itself. Added to that, you have these two hadith, both of which are slightly weak. And so the concept of the black flag appears to be authentic. And we can state for certain that of the signs of the Mahdi shall then be the coming of the black flags. As we mentioned earlier, some of the famous scholars of the past considered these hadith to be weak and of the reasons given, not the sole one, was that the Abbasids used black flags as their banners in order to give the impression that they were this promised army from the East. However, as we said, we can look at this in the exact opposite light and say, why did the Abbasids want to give this impression? Because they knew of the existence of these hadith. And so in reality, the historical fact that the Abbasids came with black flags could actually lend credence to the ahadith of the Mahdi carrying the black flag. There is no doubt that the Abbasids did not have the Mahdi amongst them, but they hoped and they desired that he be amongst them. And that is why they used this concept of the black flags. Additionally, the concept of the black flags was invoked even before the coming of the Abbasid dynasty. It is reported in the famous history book of At-Tabari, Tariq al-Rusul wal-Mulk, and also Al-Bidayah wa Nihayah of Ibn Kathir, that one of the rebels against the Umayyad dynasty by the name of Al-Harith ibn Suraj claimed to be the Mahdi. And they say he took a black flag as his banner. Al-Harith was killed in the year 128 Hijrah, and he started his preaching over a decade before this, way before the Abbasid dynasty started its preaching in the Umayyad times. Therefore, there is clear historical evidence to support the claim that the concept of a black flag was linked to the appearance of the Mahdi, even before the coming of the Abbasid dynasty.
a tribe of 100 people. A tribe of 100 people participate into this battle, they will all fall dead except one. So this man, this one person, who is he, who's going to inherit him? His only one, his brothers, his uncles, his children, his nephews, they all died in the battle. Only one will stay alive. And all the spoils, be happy for what? Be happy over the spoils or 99 people from your tribe had died. Obviously, you're happy for the shahada. But people get sad and upset. This is also relating to the war against the Romans, the Europeans, as the Prophet Muhammad says. And then after that will be the opening of Constantinople, which is Rome. And then after that will come the Dajjal. In Nabi وسلم, he says, the day of judgment will not take place until you conquer the Arabian Peninsula and Allah will open it for you. Then you conquer Persia and Allah will open it for you. Then you conquer Rome and Constantinople and Allah will open it for you. Then what comes after it? The Dajjal. You'll fight against the Dajjal and Allah Azza wa will defeat him for you. The Mahdi. The Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he says, that the day of judgment will not take place until Allah sends a man from my descent, from my progeny. His name is my name. His father's name is my father's name. Even in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam describes him. In Nabi Alayhi Salatu Wasallam he says, Ajlal Jabha. He has a broad, clear forehead. Here, not much hair at the front. Very broad and clear forehead. Aqnal Anf, prominent nose, like high up a bit, tiny and high up a bit. Describes him in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he says, He will spread this world justice and peace after it was filled up with injustice and oppression. Then he says, And he'll stay here for seven years. Another hadith, eight years. Another hadith, nine years. So his stay, his rulership, his leadership will last between seven to nine years. In Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam says something amazing about this character. You are talking about a very strong character, a very brave character. A very wise character, a very smart character. Al Mahdi is a very wise, smart, religious, pious, brave, courageous character. You know all these characteristics of a good leader? It does not exist in him until the day and the night Allah decides or decrees upon him that he becomes the Mahdi. In Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa he says in this amazing hadith, Within one night, Allah will change his character from being maybe an average or weak character into a strong and a powerful character. One night. So he's not someone that he's prepared for it. Allah prepares him in one night. When he comes, the Prophet Muhammad he says that this world will be filled up with oppression and injustice. When he comes, he will fill up this world with justice and peace. And not only that, 
But in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he says, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will let the rain come down and the ground to produce its production. Even in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he says how prosperous and fruitful his time will be. He'll have so much money, he'll give it out and he doesn't even count it. In Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he says, He gives out the money like with a handful, take, 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 and it doesn't count. He doesn't say, okay, we gave you a hundred. How much you gave him? A thousand. You know, Centrelink 3.9 and 50 cents or 21 cents. And Nabi Sallallahu says, he gives out the money. He gives it out in large amounts. He doesn't even count it. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will make his time a time of prosperity, a time of justice and peace. Even in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he says, the moment that he comes out, indication when he comes out, he comes out during a moment with three brothers, three brothers, a children, the other children and the sons of a Khalifa. That's why the scholars say, there could be Khilafa before the Mahdi. Three brothers, belong to one father khalifa after the death of their father they'll fight they'll fight over his kingdom after the death of their father they'll fight over the kingdom of their father one will kill the other two and they'll fight over treasure under the kaaba and nabi sallam says they'll fight over treasure under the kaaba at that moment, at that moment, the family of the Prophet ﷺ will be oppressed. And he is from the family of the Prophet ﷺ, the Mahdi. In Nabi ﷺ, he describes he will escape from Medina to Mecca. He will escape from Medina to Mecca. From the oppression that the leader at that time will put upon the family of the Prophet ﷺ. In Nabi Sallallahu describes him as the refugee that refugee as a refugee that resorts to Allah Azza wa Jal in Mecca. Aid al-Bayt. Someone who escaped from Medina to Mecca seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's protection. And he resorts to Allah. And where is he? He's in, in Mecca. In Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he says, people will recognize him. And the scholars tell us who are these people that recognize him. The scholars, the righteous scholars with knowledge, they recognize this man looks like something about him. So what do they do? They force him to give him bay'ah. You are the Mahdi. There are some songs that Allah is putting in our hearts. Say, you are the Mahdi. We want to give you pledge. Yukra, he will be compelled. He doesn't stand up and say, Oh people, I am the Mahdi. The moment someone does that, now that he's a liar. Alhamdulillah. That's the first sign. He does not stand up and say, I am the Mahdi. He'll be compelled, he'll be forced to be given the bay'ah. He'll refuse. In some ahadith says, he'll refuse. And then he'll come back again, and then he'll be forced to be given the bay'ah. That's when he accepts, and that's where, that's where the scholars and the righteous people will surround him. Not everyone, 
the scholars and the righteous people will surround him. The second sign, which is amazing, an army that will come from the east, a Muslim army, a Muslim army that will come from the east carrying black flags and banners that will come not to fight with him, to fight against him. Fight against who? The Mahdi. A Muslim army will come and fight against the Mahdi. On their way from Medina to Mecca, Allah will collapse the ground under them and swallow them. That's the other sign. When the Mahdi is given bay'ah to, and the Nabi even tells us where he'll be given the bay'ah to, between Hazar al-Aswad and Maqam Ibrahim. Between Hazar al-Aswad and Maqam Ibrahim, that's where he'll be given the bay'ah. Then the news starts to spread that there is the Mahdi. So a Muslim army will come from the east with black flags as the Prophet says, when they are in the middle of the desert between Medina and Mecca, the ground will swallow them, will collapse and swallow them. That's another another sign that he is the Mahdi. One day, Aisha says, and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had a sleepless night. He had a sleepless night, moving all night, waking up, going to sleep. So I said, oh Messenger of Allah, I've never seen you have a sleepless night like this before. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, yes, I'm amazed. The people from my nation will mobilize an army to fight someone from my nation, from my progeny. Until they arrive in the middle of the desert, the desert will collapse and swallow them. So she said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, everyone. And Nabi Sallallahu said, everyone. So she said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, all of them are bad. And Nabi Sallallahu says, no, no. Some came out with the army intentionally to fight against the Mahdi. The other people of the hellfire. Others were not sure, they just followed. Allah will bring him back in the hereafter according to their intention. Others were forced to be in the army. Others were forced to be in the army. So Allah Azza wa will look at their intention. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will look at their intention. They'll all die their one death. They'll all die one death, but will be resurrected with different intentions. Some will go to the Jannah, others will go to the hellfire. That's another sign about the Mahdi. That once he comes out, a Muslim army will be mobilized and assembled to fight him. On their way from Medina to Mecca, in the middle of the desert, the desert will collapse and swallow them. All of them. And Nabi Sallallahu said, only few will stay alive, they will tell the rest about what happened. Rabbaka kabir, Allah's great. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he says, they'll continue to be a gang and a group from my nation, fighting for the haq fi no one but Allah until Isa alayhi salam comes. So the Amir will say to Isa, you pray. So Isa will say, no, inna ba'dakum ala ba'dan umara. You are leaders over one another. Takrimatan lillahi lihadihi al-umma. An honor from Allah azza wa jalla to this ummah. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also describes to us that the Mahdi will be forced this is important. He'll be forced, compelled to take the bay'ah. And it will be in Mecca between Hazar al-Aswad 
and the maqam. And the ones who recognize him are who? The scholars and the pious righteous Muslims. Then the news will start spreading out. Then a Muslim army will come to fight against him. So Allah Azza wa Jal will make the ground swallow him, to swallow them. Then another Muslim army will come and fight with him. So the first Muslim army will come with black banners fighting against the Mahdi. Allah will destroy them. Allah will make the ground in the middle of the desert to swallow them. Collapse. Then after that, the news will be widespread. Everyone will be hearing about it. And everyone will confirm the signs. So another Muslim army will be mobilized and assembled around him, fighting for him under black banners. Ikhwani, wallahi, it's scary. It's scary. Which army are you going to be in? If you live at that time. It's scary. That's why the scholars taught us one thing. Don't wish you at that time. Don't say, ah, oh, I'm not going to do anything until the Mahdi comes. Ah, oh, this Ummah this, this Ummah that. You don't know when that time comes, who you're going to be with. You don't know at that time when it comes, who you're going to stand with. These fitan, these tests. These are the times of tests. These are the times of hardships. These are the times of afflictions. The Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells us about the Mahdi. And the word Mahdi in Arabic means the guided one. The guided one. His name is Muhammad. His father's name is Abdullah. His descent and lineage comes from where? From Fatima. Through his son Al-Hasan. From her husband Ali, her father Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet says in another hadith, the Khilafah is in Quraysh. The people of Quraysh have more rights over them leading this ummah than anyone else. If they are righteous, of course. If they are righteous, and the Mahdi will stay leading between 79 years. During that time, he'll meet Isa. During that time, he'll also see the Dajjal. And he'll die during the time of Isa, and who lead? Isa will lead the Muslim Ummah. And Isa will stay for about 40 years. So the Mahdi will live. He will live and rule between seven and nine years, as the Prophet says. And then he'll die. And the Muslims will bury him and they'll pray on him and bury him. And then the leadership of the Muslim Ummah will be in the hands of Isa alayhi salam. So his leadership and rulership is only short. It's short, only between seven to nine years, as the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam he says. The Mahdi will be born normal birth, and he will live normal living human being. We don't believe what others believe that he's born from the time of Fatima. And he's in some cave, only some scholars know about him, and no one can see him. Especially the Shia say that. He exists, but no one can see him. Only some scholars from, from Iran and from Iraq, they go and visit him, and they get instructions from him from the time of... No, 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 no. Al-Mahdi will be born normal birth 
from normal families, from normal mom and dad. He, Fatima didn't give birth to him, radiallahu ta'ala anha, he'll be born from normal parents. His father is from the progeny of the Prophet Muhammad And he's a normal human being. He leaves, he goes to schools like everyone knows, he leaves. He'll be the last one that you ever point and say he is the Mahdi. Until that time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees that he becomes the Mahdi, Allah will change his character from being just an average person to the great leadership character. This is something important, inshallah, that I want to clarify. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from amongst those who listen and hear and act upon what they listen and hear. Inshallah, next talk about the connection between Mahdi and Isa. Because now we start talking about the major signs of the Day of Judgment, which is the arrival of Isa and Dajjal. Dajjal comes before Isa and so on, inshallah. Ask Allah to make us from amongst us. You listen and hear, act upon what they listen and hear. Subhanakallah, alhamdulillah, nashadu Allah, ilaha ilaha ilaha, nastaghfiruka wa natubulah. It is befitting that the Mahdi be from the progeny of Hassan because Hassan radiallahu an, he gave up the Khilafah for the unity of the Muslims. And Hussein radiallahu an, and there's nothing wrong with this, he strove for the Khilafah thinking, and he was right in that assumption, that he would be good and better than the person in charge. But in that, a tragedy happened. So Hassan radiallahu an gave up the kursi after having had it. So Allah will bless him with his progeny to get the kursi back. And Allah will bless him that of his progeny will be the real and the actual Mahdi who will eventually unite the Muslim ummah and fill the world with uh, justice. So of the hadith about the Mahdi as well is the hadith reported also in the Sunan of Abu Dawood that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Al-Mahdiyu minni. The Mahdi is from my children, my progeny. And his forehead shall be large and wide, and his nose will be aquiline. So the nose is not going to be a flat nose, it's going to be an aquiline, a sharp nose. And the forehead will be larger. So in other words, like you, you know, some people they have a large forehead. So this Mahdi will have a large forehead. So the Prophet gave us physical characteristics. By the way, this false Mahdi in 1979, he had a large forehead and an aquiline nose. And so they took the hadith. And they said, let's see who has the large four. And they hunt, head hunted, you know, like Hollywood hunts for actors. They hunted for the Mahdi. And see, we're going to get to this point, but you already know what I'm going to say. We do not write a Hollywood script from the Hadith. When it happens, it happens. We do not become actors and write a movie that we think we're going to play in. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring it about. We do not do it ourselves and expedite the process. What happens will happen. And the Mahdi will indeed have a large forehead and aquiline nose. But we don't do you know, head hunting and seeing who will be like that. Also, in the Sunan of Ibn Majah, we learn another characteristic of the Mahdi. And I'm going over all these references quickly because this is not the time to go into a lot of detail. That is my mannerisms. I'm not going to quote you the page number and whatnot. Uh, whoever is interested, inshallah, there are resources and references for that. But uh, everything I'm quoting you is inshallah Hassan or Sahih. Uh, the Sunan Ibn, Ibn Majah reports that the Prophet wasallam said, Al-Mahdiyu minna ahl al-bayt. The Mahdi is from us ahl al-bayt. Yuslihuhu Allahu fi layla. Allah will rectify him and make him righteous in one night. What does this mean? Our scholars mention that this means the Mahdi will grow up and people will not assume that he is a very religious person. He might be an average Muslim, maybe, maybe even below average. But something will happen 
and in one night the Mahdi will become a righteous person. And this gives hope to all of us who are sinful, that if even the Mahdi will start off at a low level, and something will trigger and tawbah will take place and the Mahdi will repent and become such a righteous person. So even the Mahdi, his lifestyle at the beginning of his life will not be at the end of his life. The Prophet said, Allah will change him and correct him in one night. Correcting means he was incorrect. Salih means he was not salih before that night. So this is a bashara for us who are all sinners that Allah can change anyone from anything. Some of the Sahaba used to do very evil things. Then Allah guided them to Islam and look what happened after that. So we should not look at the past, rather we should look at the future. Of the things that we learn about the Mahdi as well, and this is something that should give us pause for thought in the time frame that we live in, is that the ahadith mentioned, hadith is in Abu Dawood, that the Prophet ﷺ said, the earth will be full of injustice. The earth will be full of injustice and tyranny. And the Mahdi will come and fill it with justice and with truth. Which means, the world will be a very, very depressing place before the Mahdi. The earth will be full of injustice. And if you look at what is going on now, Allahul Musta'an. But we are, it looks like in that direction now, from bad to worse, from bad to worse. The world is getting worse and worse and worse. A time will come when the world will be full of injustice. The world will be dark and bleak and black. And in that darkness, Allah will send a light for the ummah. In that darkness, when it looks like there is no hope, Allah Azza wa Jal will send someone who will unite the Muslims and will then change the situation of the earth from injustice back into uh, justice. So this is one of the beautiful predictions that terrifies us but also gives us comfort. That you know, it will get bad, but after it gets bad, inshallah it will be good. Another hadith mentions, and this is one of the most famous hadith, and unfortunately some of the incorrect groups of our times, and I do not shy away from mentioning those groups because I do not agree with their methodology at all. Uh, one of the reasons why the term Mahdi has reappeared in modern times is of course because of this group known as ISIS, which is now on its last legs. And this group ISIS, it elected its chieftain or leader, and it basically gave him the title of Khilafa, Khalifa, and they were hoping that the Mahdi will come from amongst their group as well. And by the way, take it as a rule of thumb, my dear brothers and sisters, historically speaking, mark my words, write it down, and examine history yourself. Anytime somebody attempted to expedite the Mahdi, they ended up becoming worse fanatics than the people they thought they were fighting against. Take this as a rule of thumb. Anytime somebody thought, we will bring the Mahdi to fill the world with justice, they ended up doing more injustice than the injustice that caused them to go stand up and fight. And we learned this from the 1979 coup. They were angry, by the way. I didn't get into a lot of detail here. Why did those people, why were they angry? Because of the westernization of the land of Islam. Because of the influences of the country we live in. Because of the alcohol. And by the way, at that time there was alcohol being sold there. At that time there was gambling. At that time there was casinos. And there was things in the land there that was well known. This group said, how dare these things happen close to Mecca and Medina? We are going to revolt. By doing what? Holding the Kaaba hostage. Think, you know, you're going to bring about some khair, you think, 
by attacking the Kaaba and killing people in front of the Kaaba. Hundreds of people died. But this is what fanaticism does. And we see as well with this group of ISIS. They think they're doing so much good, but in reality they have caused more harm for Islam and the Ummah. And they have justified Islamophobic practices. And they have justified the rise of the far right more than anything else that anybody could have done. So you think you're doing something good, you end up doing something worse. So, why did I get into the concept of ISIS? Because ISIS attempted to write as well their Hollywood script. What did they do? One hadith mentions, and this hadith is in uh, is in Mustad ibn Muhammad and also the Mustadrak of Al-Hakim. One hadith men will mention, and this is a very interesting hadith. Listen to this. Three sons of leaders of yours, this is a hadith, will fight for the treasures under the Kaaba. Three sons of leaders. So their fathers were kings or leaders. So there's three princes now. They're going to be fighting a war. Where? In the land of the Haram. Allahumma sallam. If you look what's happening now, Allahumma sallam. So they're going to be fighting around the Haram. And then none of them will be successful. The civil war between the Muslims, none of them will come out to be the winner. Winner. Then Allah will send armies with black banners and flags from the lands of Khorasan. Khorasan, Trans-Oxania. Khorasan is where basically Iraq and some of the Iranian lands of today. That's where Khorasan is, right? Allah will send groups of people from Khorasan with black banners, with black banners, and they will come and they will be the victors over this internal civil war going on. Now, do you understand why ISIS took a black banner as his flag? Right? Do you understand why? From this hadith, they said, we will be that people. And they in fact established their headquarters in a village called Adabiq, which is mentioned in one of the hadith as being one of the important hadith of the end of times. So once again, they're taking from the hadith and they're writing a Hollywood script. They want to enact the hadith. And they think that they will be the actors that will play through the script of these hadith. And then what's going to happen? They're going to cause more fitna and chaos as they have done. They took as their headquarters the city of Adabiq. In fact, they attempted to capture Adabiq very early on, which is in Syria now. And they eventually captured it. And immediately they moved their headquarters over there. And they made their newsletter uh, called Adabiq. Their newsletter was called Adabiq after the city. Because the hadith mentions that the great war, the malhama, will take place around the city of Adabiq. So they said, we are the ones that will do it. And what happened, happened as you know the rest as I say is history. The point is that this hadith mentions what? It mentions that an army will come from Khurasan and it will have black flags as banners. Now, ISIS was not the first group to attempt to enact this hadith. A thousand years ago, one of the greatest dynasties of Islam started off with a messianic twist. And that dynasty is the Abbasid dynasty. The Abbasid dynasty that fought against the Umayyads, the Abbasid dynasty adopted as its banner, the black flag. The flag of the Abbasids was black. And their armies came from Khurasan. And their leader was called Abu Muslim al-Khurasani. Why? Because they too thought, let us enact this hadith. 
and let us see if we are the Mahdi. And they even call some of their rulers the Mahdi. One of the most famous Abbasids is called the Mahdi because his father thought, inshallah, my son will be the Mahdi. But neither this nor that, you cannot enact the hadith. You cannot pretend as if you will be the one. No, when it happens, it happens. But you cannot expedite Allah's qadr. And you cannot pretend that you will be doing that. So the point is the Abbasids attempted to do the same thing. They adopted the black banner as well. And that also was used against them. Now there's a very interesting hadith, uh, which is weak. It is slightly weak. There's a person in it whose memory is not stable. And slightly weak hadith, we may quote them and point out this hadith is slightly weak. And it is reported in the uh, Sunan of Ibn Majah. In the Sunan of Ibn Majah. Sorry, in the Sunan of At-Tirmidhi. In the Sunan of At-Tirmidhi, in the book of Al-Fitan. In the book of Fitan. And Tirmidhi himself says, Hada hadithun gharib. This is a strange or a weak hadith. But this hadith adds a very different twist. And in fact, inshaAllah, the isnad is weak. But insha'Allah, the concept gives us hope. The concept gives us hope. What is the concept? The Prophet ﷺ is reported to have said, there shall come from Khurasan armies with black banners. And nothing will defeat or no one will defeat these armies until they plant their flags in Baytul Maqdis. What is the twist over here? The twist is, the Mahdi shall liberate Baytul Maqdis. This is a twist that is not mentioned in any hadith except this one. Where is it found? Sunan al-Tirmidhi. But as we said, there's one narrator who he is not leaving level B, he's level C. And level C is weak. Level C, the scholars of hadith, if you weren't 100%, if they couldn't trust you, but you weren't evil or bad, they put you as da'if, you couldn't be trusted, you're not 100% sure. So this hadith is narrated, one of its narrators in the middle of the chain, he's somebody that we cannot be sure. Maybe the Prophet said it, maybe he didn't. We can't be certain. So it is an if, a question mark. Insha'Allah, if he said it, it gives us hope. What does it give us hope for? That the crisis in that region, it will be solved at the hands of the Mahdi. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best about that, about that uh, issue. Another thing that is mentioned, I've already mentioned around seven hadith of the Mahdi. Another concept that is mentioned about the Mahdi is that the Mahdi is from Medina. And that the Mahdi will flee from Medina to Mecca. The Mahdi is raised in Medina and he is a Madani. But circumstances will happen. He will feel threatened and he will flee from Mecca to Medina. And this hadith is also mentioned in Abu Dawood where the Prophet ﷺ said, A man shall flee from Medina rushing towards Mecca and the people will come to him even though he does not want them to come. And they shall force him to accept the bay'ah between the rukun and the maqam. And he will not want to accept the bay'ah. Now this hadith explains why the 79 group did what it did. The 1979 group, they took this guy and they gave the bay'ah between the rukun and the maqam. But you see right here, the story is crumbling. What does this hadith say? Where will he be from? Medina. This guy Muhammad ibn Abdullah al-Qahtani, he was from Riyadh. What does the hadith say? Will he willingly come to Mecca or will he flee? Flee. They brought him in a caravan, a GMC. They drove him down happily. Okay. What does he, this hadith say? Will he want to be the Mahdi or will he say, No, don't give it to me. He's got it. He's saying, No, I am not. He's going to reject and deny that he's the Mahdi. 
But the people will say, no, we need you to be a leader. You are the best amongst us. You have to be our leader. So they will force it upon him and he will not want it. What did this group do? They took a gun, they pointed it at the hujjaj and they forced it on them and not on the Mahdi. You cannot write the script from the hadith of the Prophet Doesn't work that way. It's not going to happen. The Mahdi will not claim to be the Mahdi. And subhanAllah, I'm jumping the gun, but write this down. Anyone who says he's the Mahdi, you know he's lying. From the hadith. Anyone who claims in the basement of his mother's house while he's giving lectures on YouTube, I am the Mahdi. You know he's a liar right then and there. The Mahdi will not want to be the Mahdi. The people will force it on him. The people will say, we don't have a choice. You are our leader. We want you to be. And he will not want to accept it, but he will find himself having no other choice except to do it grudgingly. And that is why anyone who begins to tell the people, come to me, I am the Mahdi. And he has two people, five people, ten people. He is a liar by the text of the hadith. No Mahdi will claim to be the Mahdi telling you to come and give bay'ah to him. That is going to happen from the people. The people will love him. The people will respect him because of his akhlaq. Not because the Mahdi is saying, I am the Mahdi, give bay'ah to me. So this hadith mentions a very important concept that the Mahdi is from Medina, born and raised. One day he shall overcome a change. He'll become a righteous person. And most likely, uh, this is now we are reading in, most likely uh, certain political calamities will be taking place. And the rulers of their times will know that this person is a threat to us. Why we do not know. Maybe in his ancestry with somebody, maybe rumors are spreading he's the Mahdi, we don't know. But the rulers will say this man is a threat. So the man will become scared, flee for his life. He will not have an army. He will not have a group of people that are fanatics with clash nikahs and submachine guns. Alone, single-handedly, he will run towards Mecca, fleeing towards Mecca. Why Mecca? Because according to our Sharia, once you enter Mecca, وَمَنْ دَخَلَهُ كَانَ آمِنًا According to our Sharia, when you enter Mecca, no one is allowed to hurt you. Even if you are a criminal in our Sharia, when you enter Mecca, nobody can touch you. You're under the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Mahdi will flee to Mecca, wanting Allah to protect him. Then what will happen? The next hadith. And this is the only hadith in Bukhari and Muslim that... Uh, well, not the only, I should say, not the only, one of two, I should say, that indirectly mentions the Mahdi, indirectly. So this hadith is muttafaq alayh, Bukhari and Muslim, the highest level. What does it say? Aisha said that the Prophet wasallam one day he grew restless because he had a dream. And then he said, I saw something in my dream that made me restless. He's telling Aisha. It was wondrous, amazing, strange. I saw that a group of people from my ummah, they were attacking the Kaaba, And they reached the land called Al-Bayda. Al-Bayda, if you go to Haram, Makkah, Medina, you know Ajiyad? You know Ajiyad Hospital, Ajiyad Road? Before it is Bayda. So if you're going to Makkah from Ajiyad direction, before you get to Ajiyad, you will go through the land of Bayda or the valley of Al-Bayda. So the Prophet said, they will go through Al-Bayda and Allah will cause the earth to open up and the whole army will come crashing and be destroyed. This hadith is where? Bukhari and Muslim. Does it mention the Mahdi? 
No mention. What does it mention? An army of Muslims is attacking the Kaaba. Why would the army of Muslims attack the Kaaba? Go back to the last hadith in Abu Dawood, which is not in Bukhari and Muslim. A man from Medina shall flee, the Mahdi shall flee, seek refuge in the Kaaba. And the people will give him bay'ah. So then we add this hadith. The governments of the time will become terrified. Who is this political agitator? Send in the troops. This is what the 1939 group wanted to happen. This is what they banked on. We will be that group. Let the government come and Allah will destroy the army. But as we said, you cannot do that. In any case, this hadith mentions that the army will be destroyed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this, by the way, when this happens, this is the sign the Mahdi has come. Until that happens, nobody can claim to be the Mahdi. Anybody who claims to be the Mahdi is lying. Because even the Mahdi himself will say, no, no, it can't be me. I'm not good enough. He will deny it. And this is what true leadership does. True leadership, they don't want to be leaders. They will deny, no, no, like Abu Bakr al-Siddiq. He chose Abu Ubaidah, Umar ibn Khattab. Choose them, not me. This is what the real leader does. So the Mahdi will grudgingly take the bay'ah. The army will be sent. When the army is destroyed by Allah, this is the sign. Everybody now knows this is the Then Allah Rabbul Azza will lift this age up from amidst you. Then will come a tyrannical rule, an oppressive rule, and it will last amidst you so long as Allah Rabbul Azza wishes it to last. Then Allah Rabbul Azza will lift up this age when He Azza wa Jal wishes to remove that age. Then what will come after this age of tyranny and oppression? Listen, O Muslims, and glad tidings to you. Then will come the age of the rightly guided Khalif who will lead in accordance to the teachings of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This rightly guided Khalif is the one about whom 1050 narrations have come of which four are Sahih. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, and with regards to him, he is famous amidst us as the Mahdi. And this is part of the beliefs of the Ahlul Sunnah that a person will come who will be from the lineage of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Rasul says, The Mahdi is from my lineage, as in from my progeny, from the children of Fatima. And then he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, his name will be my name. So his name will be Muhammad. And his father's name will be my father's name. So he will be Muhammad Ibn, Abdullah and as the earth was filled with wrong and oppression he will fill it with justice and peace and this this righteous ruler Ali radiallahu anhu says and radiallahu an Ali Ali radiallahu anhu says al-mahdiyu minna ahl al-bayt the Mahdi is from us from the family of the Prophet yuslihuhu Allahu fi layla Allah Rabbul Izzah will prepare him for the office of leadership in one night. 
So the Mahdi doesn't know he is the Mahdi. And the Mahdi doesn't have the competencies of the Mahdi. Until one night, in one night Allah will transform him. The Ahadith mention that a king will die in the Jazeera, in the Arab Peninsula. And the sons or three sons of a king will fight and quarrel over leadership. And to avoid this quarrel, this man, Muhammad ibn Abdullah, will leave Medina in secret and go to Mecca. Because he doesn't want to be involved in the conflict, nor does he want people to turn towards him. So when he goes to Mecca, his aim is to avoid getting tangled up in this leadership struggle. Yet people follow him from Medina into Mecca. And they find him and they take him out. And they bring him to the Kaaba. And there, between the Rukn, as in Hajr al-Aswad, and Maqam Ibrahim, they will make bay'ah to him when he doesn't want it. You with me? That didn't sound very convincing. So they will make bay'ah to him. And as soon as they have pledged allegiance, two things will happen. Number one, an army will march out from Syria to attack this progeny of the Rasul. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, listen carefully, is in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha, and he is asleep. And in his sleep, he starts to move. He looks uncomfortable. He's displaying what he's never displayed before. Discomfort and sleep to the extent that he's moving. Then he got up. So she said, Ya Rasulullah, I have seen you do what you normally do not do. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Strange is the situation. An army will come from, the, from Syria, intending the house of Allah from my Ummah, seeking a man from my progeny to attack him. And in another hadith, وَاللَّفْظُ لِلْبُخَارِيِّ يَغْزُوا جَيْشٌ الْكَعْبَةِ فَإِذَا جَاءُوا بِبَيْضَاءَ مِنَ الْأَرْضِ يَخْصَفُوا بِأَوَّلِهِمْ وَآخَرِهِمْ and An army will come campaigning towards the Kaaba until it reached the Bayda. And Bayda is an expanse of land between Mecca and Medina, flat desert land. When it reaches there, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, يَخْصَفُوا بِأَوَّلِهِمْ وَآخَرِهِمْ The earth will suck them in their first and their last. And in another قول, one person or a couple of people will be left just to tell the tale. So this is one of the signs that this one is the one the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam intended. First that his name will be my name and his na the name of his father will be my father's name. Second, an army will come to attack him and he will be unarmed and the army will be destroyed by Allah alone. So when this happens, realize that this is the one. And the people that realize it initially or the first batch that go towards him is from our lands, from Khurasan. 
the black flags will rise from the areas of Afghanistan and the flags will come towards him and they will traverse through the land until they come in help of the Mahdi. And his time is a difficult era. The Rasul says it in an eloquence befitting the majesty of the Rasul. Listen carefully, Muslims. You will campaign in the Arab Peninsula and Allah will open it. Then there will be a campaign against the Persians. And Allah will open it. Then there will be a campaign against Rome and Allah will open it. Then the Dajjal will come and Allah will open it as in will let you conquer it. So the age of the Mahdi is an age of intense struggle. And the Hadith says he will stay with you for seven years. And maybe eight. And if it really extends nine years. And at the last campaign, the Muslims will come and the other side, its opposition will come to face it. And the opposition is so huge. 80 banners, 80 different flags, under each flag will be 14,000 men. Is it 14 or 12? 12,000 men. I've said 14. If they've got it wrong, that's their thing. And anyway, so between those two. And when the two sides meet and the Muslims see this, a third of them will run away. And the Prophet says, Allah will never accept their repentance ever. Because running away reduces and destroys the morale of everyone standing. So then the campaign starts and the battle is hot and it's intense and a third of the Muslims will die and a third will be victorious. Just a third will be victorious and they will be there on the battlefield collecting the remnants and the booty of war. And the hadith says from one tribe, 99 have died and one person is left. So what joy will he have at victory and what joy will he have at collecting booty? So you would think after such a calamity, after such a colossal engagement or what is referred to in the books that preceded us as Armageddon, you would have expected issues to become more relaxed. Yet, as they have just become victorious and are collecting the things of the battlefield, a voice will come out to them that, O Muslims, the Dajjal has come in your lands. And the first of the Alamatul Kubra, the first of the major signs, is the advent of the Dajjal or the Antichrist. So the Imam Al Mahdi will send 10 people, 10 riders to go and investigate and scout, see if the news is correct. 
And the Rasul says, Salawatu Rabbi wa salamuhu alayhi. I know their names and I know the names of their fathers and I know the color of their horses. They will be the best riders of the day. So they will go and see, Ah, the calamity has come. The Dajjal has come. Who is this Dajjal? The first of the big signs of Qiyamah. And understand, when the signs, the major signs are unleashed, they will follow each other like beads on a necklace. Qala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, al-ayat, ay alamat, kharazatum manzumatum fi silk, fa'in yuqta'is silku yatba'u ba'duha ba'da. The major signs are like beads on a necklace. When the bead is, when the necklace is cut, one will come after the other. So the Dajjal comes. Where does he come from? Actually, let's describe him. The Prophet says, Al-Dajjal mamsuhul ayn, maktubun bayna aynayhi kafir, wa fi lafzin kafarah. Dajjal has one of his eyes obliterated, like as in wiped out, it is covered. On his forehead is written kafir. And the Prophet separated it. Every believer can read it, whether he's literate or illiterate. And one eye is wiped out as in it's covered. The second eye is damaged. And the, the word of the hadith says it has shrunk. And it uses the same word that describes when, when grapes, you know, shrivel in the sun and become, uh, you know, wrinkly and small. So the, one eye will be covered, the other eye will be like a worn out on old or wrinkly grape. It will be squeezed down. Between his forehead will be written kafir. The Prophet ﷺ described him, his hair will be curly. His legs will be arced. He walks a little different. He's stubby, strongly built. And his start or where he comes out from again will be from the area of Khorasan. And the description of the Prophet being from that region, I am even deducing who it will be with. So the Prophet described the people that will come with him and he uses the word 70,000 of the Jews of Isfahan. And describing the faces, it resembles the area between Afghanistan and and Iran, some of the inhabitants there, the Prophet says they will have flat faces like the shield and their cheekbones will be raised and their faces will be meaty. And they will be wearing cloaks around them. Do the mats. And his first time that he becomes evident will be in the land of the Arabs. And 
he will travel he will roam the earth and the hadith says not a village will be missed except he has gone to it and what kalam and subhanallah listen to the hadith with regards to him the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam says that إنه لم تكن فتنة على ظهر الأرض منذ ذرأ الله ذرية آدم أعظم من فتنة الدجال وإن الله لم يبعث نبيا إلا حذر أمته الدجال وأنا آخر الأنبياء وأنتم آخر الأمم وهو خارج فيكم لا محالة Listen there is no calamity on the face of this earth from the time of Adam till Qiyamah come greater than the calamity of the Dajjal. We live in a time of human advancement. Subhanallah, there was a time we'd look up at the birds and see them fly and think, you know, I want to fly. And today, the poor bird as it flatters its wings trying to fly, it looks sideways and sees man in an aeroplane asleep and still flying. And now the bird is thinking, I want to fly like that. We have advanced. Man has landed on the moon. Today you sit here and on the brink of 2015. And in your hand is an iPad or an iPod or a little gadget, and with it, you will speak to someone from the other end of the globe. And not only speak to them, you'll see them. Humankind has advanced. There was a time if a doctor wanted to see inside you, he had to open you up. Now he x-rays you or ultrasound or MRI and, and so on and so forth. And he can read the inside you from outside. Man has advanced. Man has reached levels of technological advancement that was unimaginable in the times that passed. And with this advancement comes this notion of self-efficacy that I can and with it comes self-reliance and with this reliance and self-sufficiency and self-determination man becomes too dependent on himself so he thinks he is it there is no other power he thinks there's no one that has power over him. No one that can hold him in check or no one to whom he will have to account. Man becomes heedless. And if you look around you, man has become heedless. Look at what we have done to the environment. Man has become heedless. The ozone, the ozone layer is depleted. Man has become heedless. Global warming is over us and man still doesn't realize that he is that his unethical and immoral conduct is destroying not only the planet but lives and it is important 
at this juncture on the brink of 2015 for gatherings like this to take place, gatherings which change your paradigm, which recalibrate your compasses, which brings you back to an alternate reality that man, you will go and give account to someone. You will have to stand in front of your creator and your maker and explain an account for the life which you had and how you spent it. As such a topic with the signs of the Akhirah is designed to make man conscious and conscientious of another world to come and in that way make him more moral and more ethical. And in our times we need morals and ethics. Everyone needs morals and ethics. The businessman needs morals and ethics. The doctors need morals and ethics. Engineers, the journalists need morals and ethics. Politicians need morals and ethics. It is very important to bring mankind back or at least amidst ourselves to try to change our paradigm and recalibrate our compasses and reset our directions that our main priority isn't to sell an article and it isn't to make money and it isn't to secure oil and it isn't this and that but our main priority is how to be decent and how to be good and how to be righteous and how to be God-fearing and law-abiding and hard-working and that is why these gatherings or the, the idea behind these gatherings are that that we come here as in a certain state and live here as better individuals and I pray and I know you will pray this prayer with me my Allah Rabbul Izza take us out of this auditorium better than when he brought us into here say Ameen inshaAllah now our shuyukh have spoken to us at length about the signs of the day of judgment and they have covered amidst them, my Allah bless them, the minor signs of Qiyamah. And understand it is difficult to cover the entirety. There's 130 signs that are established just by one of the scholars of the minor signs of the Day of Judgment. So to sit in one day and cover 130 signs, it is ambitious and not possible. So we have only touched on here and there. But what we can understand and deduce that life will become difficult towards the end. Challenges will come. Disasters will come. Catastrophes will come. The earth will be covered in injustice and in wars and in battles. And you see that today. Look at the Arab Spring. Look at Syria. Look at Africa. Look at what's happening there in Russia. Mankind is becoming more and more um, unstable and unhappy and miserable and in difficulty and in turmoil. And when the earth is covered with injustice as it is going towards that direction, the Prophet ﷺ gives us the glad tidings of a righteous ruler who will come. Now about this righteous ruler, the Prophet ﷺ says he will fill the earth up with justice and peace as it was filled with oppression and wrong. 
good days will come after these difficulties. And with regards to this ruler, a thousand and fifty ahadith have been narrated, of which four are sahih. Of which four are sahih. And I want to start a little bit before this, so listen to me, insha'Allah ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, at his time, one day he came at Dhuhr to the masjid and started to speak about the signs of the end. That this is what will happen and this is what will... And he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam spoke from Dhuhr until Asr. And then they gave the adhan for Asr, they stood up, they prayed, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stood back up and started to speak again from Asr until Maghrib. And in that way, he continued and the Ashab say, he mentioned and went through every sign and we remembered what we could remember and forgot what we forgot. So amidst those signs that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, he mentions this hadith. And I want you to listen to it carefully. And the Prophet ﷺ says, تكون النبوة فيكم ما شاء الله أن تكون ثم يرفعها الله إذا شاء أن يرفعها Prophethood will stay amidst you so long as Allah Rabbul Izza wishes for it to remain then Allah Rabbul Izza will lift up Prophethood and Prophethood would be no more and we knew our witnesses that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam passed away Prophethood was lifted and prophethood is no more. So Ya Rasul, what will happen after prophethood? So he said, ثُمَّ تَكُونُ خِلَافَةً رَاشِدًا فَتَكُونُ فِيكُمْ مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ أَنْ تَكُونُ ثُمَّ يَرْفَعُهَا اللَّهُ إِذَا شَاءَ أَنْ يَرْفَعَهَا Then will come the age of the rightly guided khulafa the rightly guided Khalifas of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They will reign amidst you so long as Allah Rabbul Izza wishes for them to reign. Then Allah Rabbul Izza will lift up the reign of the rightly guided. Ya Rasul, what will come after them? ثُمَّ تَكُونُ مُلْكًا عَادًّا فَتَكُونُ فِيكُمْ مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ أَنْ تَكُونُ ثُمَّ يَرْفَعُهَا اللَّهُ إِذَا شَاءَ أَنْ يَرْفَعَهَا Then will come an age where rulership and leadership is passed within tribes as in it will become tribal or it will become legacy and um, lineage based this this king the son of this king one will handball it to the one after them then this age will stay amidst you so long as Allah Rabbul Izza wishes for it to stay then Allah Rabbul Izza will lift this age up from amidst you. Then will come a tyrannical rule, an oppressive rule. And it will last amidst you so long as Allah Rabbul Izza wishes it to last. 
Then Allah Rabbul Azza will lift up this age when he Azza wa Jal wishes to remove that age. Then what will come after this age of tyranny and oppression? Listen, O Muslims, and glad tidings to you. Then will come the age of the rightly guided Khalif who will lead in accordance to the teachings of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This rightly guided Khalif is the one about whom 1050 narrations have come of which four are Sahih. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, and with regards to him, he is famous amidst us as the Mahdi. And this is part of the beliefs of the Ahlul Sunnah that a person will come who will be from the lineage of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Rasul says, The Mahdi is from my lineage, as in from my progeny, from the children of Fatima. And then he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, His name will be my name. So his name will be Muhammad. And his father's name will be my father's name. So he will be Muhammad ibn Abdullah. And as the earth was filled with wrong and oppression, he will fill it with justice and peace. And this, this righteous ruler, Ali radiallahu anhu says, and radiallahu an Ali, Ali radiallahu anhu says, Al-Mahdiyu minna ahl al-bayt. The Mahdi is from us, from the family of the Prophet. Allah Rabbul Izza will prepare him for the office of leadership in one night. So the Mahdi doesn't know he is the Mahdi. And the Mahdi doesn't have the competencies of the Mahdi. Until one night. In one night Allah will transform him. The Ahadith mention that a king will die in the Jazeera, in the Arab Peninsula. And the sons or three sons of a king will fight and quarrel over leadership. And to avoid this quarrel, this man, Muhammad ibn Abdullah, will leave Medina in secret and go to Mecca. Because he doesn't want to be involved in the conflict, nor does he want people to turn towards him. So when he goes to Mecca, his aim is to avoid getting tangled up in this leadership struggle. Yet people follow him from Medina into Mecca. And they find him and they take him out. And they bring him to the Kaaba. And there, between this, the Rukn, as in Hajr al-Aswad, and Maqam Ibrahim, they will make bay'ah to him when he doesn't want it. You with me? That didn't sound very convincing. So they will make bay'ah to him. And as soon as they have pledged allegiance, two things will happen. Number one, an army will march out from Syria to attack this progeny of the Rasul. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, listen carefully, is in the house of Aisha radiallahu anha. 
and he is asleep. And in his sleep, he starts to move. He looks uncomfortable. He's displaying what he's never displayed before. Discomfort and sleep to the extent that he's moving. Then he got up. So she said, Ya Rasulullah, I have seen you do what you normally do not do. So the Prophet said, Strange is the situation. An army will come from, the, from Syria. Intending the house of Allah from my ummah, seeking a man from my progeny to attack him. And in another hadith, Wallafzul al Bukhari, Yaghzu Jayshun al Kaaba, Faitha Jau Bibayda Amin al Ard, Yaghzafu Biawalihim wa Akharihim, and an army will come campaigning towards the Kaaba until it reached the Bayda. And Bayda is an expanse of land between Mecca and Medina, a flat desert land. When it reaches there, the Prophet says, The earth will suck them in there first and their last. And in another call, one person or a couple of people will be left just to tell the tale. So this is one of the signs that this one is the one the Prophet ﷺ intended. First, that his name will be my name. And his na the name of his father will be my father's name. Second, an army will come to attack him. And he will be unarmed. And the army will be destroyed by Allah alone. So when this happens, realize that this is the one. And the people that realize it, Initially, or the first batch that go towards him is from our lands, from Khurasan. The black flags will rise from the areas of Afghanistan. And the flags will come towards him. And they will traverse through the land until they come in help of the Mahdi. And his time is a difficult era. The Rasul says it, and an eloquence befitting the majesty of the Rasul. Listen carefully, Muslims. You will campaign in the Arab Peninsula and Allah will open it. Then there will be a campaign against the Persians. And Allah will open it. Then there will be a campaign against Rome and Allah will open it. Then the Dajjal will come and Allah will open it as in will let you conquer it. So the age of the Mahdi is an age of intense struggle. And the Hadith says he will stay with you for seven years. And maybe eight. And if it really extends nine years. And at the last campaign, the Muslims will come and the other side, its opposition will come to face it. And the opposition is so huge. 80 banners, 80 different flags, under each flag, will be 14,000 men. Is it 14 or 12? 12,000 men. 
offset 14, if they've got a wrong, that's their thing. Right? And anyway, so between those two. And when the two sides meet, and the Muslims see this, a third of them will run away. And the Prophet ﷺ says, Allah will never accept their repentance ever. Because running away reduces and destroys the morale of everyone standing. So then the campaign starts and the battle is hot and it's intense and a third of the Muslims will die and a third will be victorious. Just a third will be victorious and they will be there on the battlefield collecting the remnants and the booty of war. And the hadith says from one tribe, 99 have died and one person is left. So what joy will he have at victory and what joy will he have at collecting booty? So you would think after such a calamity, after such a colossal engagement, or what is referred to in the books that preceded us as Armageddon, you would have expected issues to become more relaxed. Yet, as they have just become victorious and are collecting the things of the battlefield, a voice will come out to them that, O oh Muslims, the Dajjal has come in your lands. And the first of the Alamatul Kubra, the first of the major signs, is the advent of the Dajjal or the Antichrist. So the Imam, Al-Mahdi, will send 10 people, 10 riders, to go and investigate and scout, see if the news is correct. And the Rasul says, Salawatu Rabbi wa salamuhu I know their names, and I know the names of their fathers, and I know the color of their horses. They will be the best riders of the day. So they will go and see, ah, the calamity has come. The Dajjal has come. Who is this Dajjal? The first of the big signs of Qiyamah. And understand, when the signs, the major signs are unleashed, they will follow each other like beads on a necklace. The major signs are like beads on a necklace. When the bead is, when the necklace is cut, one will come after the other. So the Dajjal comes. Where does he come from? Actually, let's describe him. The Prophet says, Dajjal مكتوب بين عينيه كافر وفي لفظ كافارة Dajjal has one of his eyes obliterated like as in wiped out it is covered ممسوح العين مكتوب بين عينيه كافر on his forehead is written كافر and the Prophet ﷺ separated it. Every believer can read it, whether he's literate or illiterate. 
and one eye is wiped out as in it's covered the second eye is damaged and the the word of the hadith says it has shrunk and it uses the same word that describes when when grapes you know shrivel in the sun and become uh, you know wrinkly and small so the one eye will be covered the other eye will be like a worn out on old or wrinkly grape it will be squeezed down between his forehead will be written kafir the prophet وسلم, described him his hair will be curly his legs will be arched he walks a little different He's stubby, strongly built. And his start or where he comes out from again will be from the area of Khurasan. And the description of the Prophet, Salawatu Rabbi wa Salamuhu Alayhi, being from that region, I am even deducing who it will be with. So the Prophet described the people that will come with him and he uses the word 70,000 of the Jews of Isfahan and describing the faces it resembles the area between Afghanistan and, and Iran some of the inhabitants there the Prophet says they will have flat faces like the shield and their cheekbones will be raised and their faces will be meaty and they will be wearing cloaks around them. Do the mats. And his first time that he becomes evident will be in the land of the Arabs. And he will travel, he will roam the earth. And the hadith says, not a village will be missed except he has gone to it and what kalam and subhanallah listen to the ahadith with regards to him the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says that innahu lam takun fitnatun ala dhahr al-ard munzu dhara allahu dhurriyyata adam a'zama min fitnati ad-dajjal wa inna allaha lam yab'ath nabiyan إلا حذر أمته الدجال وأنا آخر الأنبياء وأنتم آخر الأمم وهو خارج فيكم لا محالة Listen There is no calamity on the face of this earth From the time of Adam till Qiyamah come Greater than the calamity of the Dajjal And there wasn't a prophet that came and accepted he came and warned his people about him and in another hadith and Nuh warned his people about him Nuh at the t very early in human history at that time Nuh warned his people about this calamity of the Dajjal and the Prophet وسلم, says all prophets warned their people about him وَأَنَا آخِرُ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ And I am the last of the prophets. And you are the last of the nations. So he will come from you, there's no way about it. 
He will come amidst your time. La mahala. There is no exception. It will come in your time. And then he says, the Rahmatul Muhda, that if he comes, وَأَنَا بَيْنَ أَظْهُرِكُمْ and I am amidst you, then I will suffice him on your behalf. I will fight him on your behalf. If I am here and he comes, leave him to me. But if he comes and I'm not here, then I leave you to Allah and Allah Rabbul Azza will be your caretaker. And in another hadith, the Prophet says, from the time of Adam until Qiyamah, no Amr has come greater than that of the Dajjal. The Dajjal will shake Iman to its core. He will come, look at the calamity. There will be a river of water and a river of fire. And subhanallah, before he comes, three years will happen like this. In the first year, Allah Rabbul Izzah will order the sky to hold back a third of its rain. So a third of the water of the rain will be held back. And the second year, two thirds will be held back. And the third year, there will be no rain. So a drought and famine has already gripped mankind. And then this man comes, the Dajjal. With him, a river of fire and a river of water. And he enters into a village amidst the people. And he says, do you believe in me? I am your Lord. And when they believe, he tells the sky rain and rain comes. Tells the earth, produce your produce and it will produce its produce. He will go to a dead person, tell a person, a Bedouin. If I bring your parents back to life, would you believe that I am your Lord? He will say yes, he says rise. And two shayateen will come in the image of his parents and will say, son, listen to him, he's your Lord. Do you see Iman is shaken to its core? How do you not believe your eyes? He will tell the earth, spit out your treasures. The hadith says like like. Bees, gold and silver and diamonds will come out of the ground and follow him. It's difficult times. At this instance, only Iman will see you through. Listen carefully, Muslims. All the faculties and information gathering tools that you have will be deceived. The only thing that you will have left is your hearts. And it is important, and I insist regularly work on the hearts. I will mention, although I am deviating, one hadith. The person came to the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, my stomach is hurting. So the Rasul said, drink honey, Allah has put shifa in it. So the man drank honey and came to the Rasul. Ya Rasulullah, I drank honey, I had honey, my stomach still aching. And this is what I mean by Iman. So the Prophet said, Allah spoke the truth, your stomach lied, go eat honey. So he went, had honey again, and he came, Ya Rasulullah, my stomach is aching. So the Prophet said, your stomach is lying and Allah spoke the truth. Go have honey again. So he had it. 
He came again, Ya Rasulullah, my stomach is aching and I had honey. So the Rasul said, your stomach is lying, go have honey. He went, had honey, came back, Ya Rasul, my stomach is better. The Prophet said, your stomach spoke the truth. Do you see that Iman must override? And this is the Yaqeen of the Rasul. How can what my Lord say not eventuate? Jalla Jalalul Malik. How can what my Lord say not eventuate? So in the time of the Dajjal, Iman will be shaken to its core. And he will go to another group of people, believe they will say no. So he says, sky hold your water, earth hold your produce, and famine and drought and calamity will befall them. It is so easy just to say, Khalas, okay, I believe, let's go, bring it on. That is why it is such a colossal test. And he will stay and roam the earth for 40 days. The first day will be the length of a year. And look at the Ashab of the Rasul. When he said to them, a day like a year, their concern was, it wasn't what time will I wake up and sleep? Do I sleep for six months, O Prophet? They said, what about Salah, O Prophet? How do we pray? If it's, do we pray five times in the whole year? Or, so the Prophet wasallam says, lahu Allocate times for it. Replicate the days. So the first day will be like a year, the second day like a month, the third, third day like a week, and the fourth day will be, fourth and onwards, will be like ordinary days. And he will come, he will traverse every city and every village except for two places, Makkah and Medina. Allah Rabbul Azza has protected those with angels. He will come towards Medina behind Uhud. Behind Uhud. And he will climb the hilltop with his people. And he will say, do you see that white palace? That white palace of Ahmed. And subhanallah, you look at the pictures of the masjid of the Prophet from that far and that distance, it looks like a white palace. That is the palace of Ahmed. And he gets down to come towards it and the angel shoes him away. And he turns his face towards Bilad al-Sham. And understand, this is the time of the Mahdi. The Imam is here. And the Dajjal has come. And just min babil amanat al-ilmiyyah, I want to mention the a story and I'll stick to the English for time reasons. This is the story of Tamim al-Dari. And I will give a general mafhum instead of going into it in details. Tamim al-Dari was a Sahabi of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He was a Christian who became a Muslim. And he had an amazing experience. There's a few amazing things with Tamim al-Dari. Tamim al-Dari was a very pious Christian. Very devout. And he was traveling one day and he came 
in the valley and mountains are alongside him. And the understanding of the times war, when you're in this type of location, ask the jinn of this area for protection. So because you're sleeping here at night, anything could happen. Ask the big jinn here to protect you. So although he's religious and righteous, yet fear gripped him. So he called out at the top of his voice, I ask the jinn of this wadi for protection. So he said, this is before his Islam. So he said, I heard a voice say, jinns cannot help you. Turn to Allah and go to, uh, and go to Medina. Ahmad has come, he's a prophet. Or go to Mecca, Ahmad has come, he's a prophet. We have believed in him and are following him. So this is one story, strange story of Tamim al-Dari. Second story is this one. Tamim al-Dari came to the Rasul and narrated a story. Ya Rasulullah, I was in a ship and the ocean started to become rough and there's 30 other people with me and the waves you know bashed us from pillar to post for a whole month you know it's tossing us between waves and after a month the waves subsided and we reached near an island and we anchored the ship and took a little boat and came to the island. And at the brink of the island, we saw a creature, the strangest we have seen, covered in hair to the extent that we couldn't tell its front from its behind. And they look at him, imagine the poor guys, you know, a month of, of seasickness. And now here, and they see this creature. So they said, woe be unto you, what are you? So he said, I am Jasasa. So they are hesitant and they say, we thought he's like a devil. So Jasasa said, there's a person in that monastery who is longing to see you. Go to him. So they went. And Tamim Adari says, I saw a man, big man, chained with his hands around, like near his neck, and his legs chained. And we asked him, who are you? He said, you will find out soon, but first tell me who you are and what is your story. So they said we were in the ocean, the month passed, and we came here, and we saw Jasasa, and Jasasa, and the, and the Arabs are very accurate when they tell stories, and at least in those days, word for word, you know, this is what happened, and now we came here to you. So we are from the Arabs. So the person asked a few questions. Tell me about the orchards of Bisan. Are they, so they said, what do you want to know? Because he knows they're from the Arab lands. And Bisan is in Syria. Tell me about the orchards there. So he said, what do you want to know? Is it fruitful? Is it, you know, is it, yeah, it's, it's, it's got fruits and it's, it's giving fruits and the orchards are good. Tell me about the lake of Tiberias or Tabaris. They said, what do you want to know? Does it have water? They said, yes, it has water, people use it. So he said, soon it will not have any water. And with the orchard, soon it will not give any fruits. And he asked about a couple of other places, and they said, yes, it is good. And the man said, soon it will not be the case.
So then he asks, tell me about the unlettered prophet. And Nabiul Ummi, tell me about Muhammad. Has he come and what is his situation? Yes, he has come. And how are the Arabs behaving with him? They resisted and fought him and then they turned towards him in acceptance and now they have accepted him. So he said, it is better for them to accept him and obey him. As with regards to me, I am the Dajjal. Soon I will be given permission to come out of here. I will be released. And I will traverse the earth from its corner to its corner, not leaving a city or a village behind. And I will roam it for 40 days, a day like a year and so on and so forth. And the Prophet and I will go to every city except for Mecca and Tayyibah. So the Rasul at this time narrating the story hit his member like this. He goes, Tayyiba, Tayyiba, this is Tayyiba, Medina is Tayyiba. And in another hadith, it describes how he'll, he will be released. Subhanallah, Ibn Umar annoyed a person um, who they used to consider at the time of the Ashab as he might be the Dajjal. So he says, he came and told the story to Hafsa. Hafsa is his sister and the wife of the Rasul. He says, I got him so angry that I saw him fuming like his body is about to explode. Like, you know, when you go red and you feel like you're expanding. So Hafsa said, woe be unto you, ya Ibn Umar. Don't you know that the Prophet said he will be released due to a moment of anger? As in the Dajjal will become angry somehow. And he will rip the chains off. Wallahu a'lam. And then he will be released. So then he will roam the world until he comes. And the Muslims are under the leadership of Imam al-Mahdi. And understand they don't have the capacity to overcome this challenge. So Muslims are constantly on the back foot until they are locked up and surrounded. In one narration says Baytul Maqdis and one Qawl at the base of Jabal Al-Tur. And the Rajih is Baytul Maqdis. They are there. And they are surrounded. And the Dajjal and his army is outside. And the siege lasts. And as the Muslims are in the siege with the Dajjal, and the fear is immense. Man will tie their wives and their mothers and sisters out of fear that they will run to the Dajjal and fall victim to it. Even in Medina Al-Munawwara, when he is camped outside Medina, three earthquakes will hit the city. Everyone will think, oh my God, and run out of the city. So the Prophet said, Allah will purify the city of its hypocrites. And only the true believers will remain. So now the Dajjal after that comes to Baytul Maqdis. And the Imam is there. And the Muslims are there. And they're trying to put up a resistance. And at this juncture, 
<laughs> you can try to stop me, Abdullah. The next one is lunch. I can sit here. Uh, so the next, at this point, when they are inside this encampment, Allah Rabbul Izzah sends them their solution. And the solution of the Dajjal is Masih, Isa alayhi salam. So listen to, and I will rush through this. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, Yanzilu Isa ibn Maryam Bayna mahrudatayni Wadi'un kaffayhi ala ajnihati malakayni Inda manarati bayda'a sharqiyya dimashq Isa, the son of Mary, will descend. How will he descend, ya Rasul? His hand will be on the wings of two angels. He will be covered in two garbs, both tinged slightly yellow. Beige. Mahrudatayni. Wadi'un kaffayhi ala ajnihati malakayni. Where, ya Rasul? Inda manarati bayda'a sharqiyya dimashq. Next to the white minarat at the eastern side of Damascus. And subhanallah, at the eastern door of Damascus, there is a white minaret. And there is the other one of the Umawi mosque. Both white minarets. They didn't exist at the time of the Rasul. But now it is there. So Isa will come down in that, in that place. Then he will make his way towards Baytul Maqdis. Or Jabal al-Tur. And the ahadith say, the Muslims... At this stage of thinking, what to do? So eventually they come to this consensus. Listen, we can't sit here forever. Let's get out and meet them face to face. So they make this decision at night that tomorrow we will open the doors and go and take this on head on. And Fajr comes. Fajr comes, Salat of Fajr. And the Adhan is given and the lines stand up. And Iqama is given. And then Subhan al-Khaliq. The day or the area goes dark. The area and the hadith says so that a man cannot see his hand. It will go dark. And then when light comes back, they see in Isa is amidst them. And the Prophet says he will lower his head and you will see like moisture on it as though his hair is wet but it isn't wet and when he lifts it beads roll down his head like liquid like pearls and they scatter and he comes to the salat of fajr and the prophet says what will be your situation when Isa, the son of Mary, comes amidst you, minkum, and your Imam is amidst you. The Imam is there. Isa, alayhi salam. What will be your situation? So listen, the Iqama is given, and he notices that Isa, alayhi salam, comes. So he says, Ta'ala, sallibina. Come, lead us in salah. So in one qawl, the Prophet says, Isa السلام, will put his hand between the shoulders of the Mahdi and say, 
This is the honor that Allah Rabbul Izzah has given this nation. You will lead each other. So Isa will lead behind, I mean, will pray behind the Mahdi for this salah. For this salah. And the call of the Ahlul Ilm is, and in another narration, he says, the Iqama was given for you. So lead the salah. And then when the salah is finished, Isa, and the people are ready, do you understand they were ready before Isa now for this challenge? That is why when you reach a level, Allah Rabbul Izzah will give you its solution. So he says, open the doors. So the doors open. And from afar, the Dajjal sees Isa alayhi salam. The false Messiah sees the real Messiah. And the hadith says he starts to melt like salt and water. Dissolve like salt and water. And he runs and Isa alayhi salam chases him. And calling he says, it is written that I owe you one strike. I owe you one hit and that will come. So he catches him in the Babil Lud in Palestine. And in that place, in one narration with a lance and another one with a sword, Isa alayhi salam will strike and show the blood of the Dajjal in his sword. And the hadith says, had he were not to strike, the man would have melted to death. And the Dajjal and the battle with the Dajjal will be finished. And the Muslims have gone through a colossal test. And Isa alayhi salam will come to them and rub their faces out of mercy and kindness and give them the bushara. This is your place in Jannah. This is your place in Jannah. And as this calamity of the Dajjal has just finished, Allah Rabbul Izzah will inspire Isa alayhi salam that, O oh Isa, another of my creatures is about to come out. And no power on the face of this earth will withstand them and outstand them.